0: This is a vintage episode of Sequelcast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. Sequelcast 2 and Friends is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, go to greenlitpodcast.com. How did you escape with
1: nothing but a scar while Lord Voldemort's powers were destroyed? Why do you care how I escaped? Voldemort was after your time. Voldemort is my past,
0: present, and future. After the credits
1: roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shop Treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is a Sequel Cast, and they are unsurpassed and following a...
0: Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a podcast that looks at movies in a franchise, one film at a time. We're currently looking at the Harry Potter franchise of films. This time around, we're taking a look at the second film in the series, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. The theme song you just heard is written and performed by Mark with the Sea, and the Sequel Cast is a proud member of the Battleship Retention podcast fleet. Check out other great film and TV podcasts at battleshipretention.com. I'm Matt, with me is Thrasher.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: And we are talking, like I said, about Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets. This was directed by Chris Columbus, who also directed the first film. Uh, produced by David Heyman, screenplay by Steve Kloves. All those technical parts are the same. Starring the regular cast of Harry Potter idiots. Uh, with <laughs> well, I guess you don't have a high opinion of. I don't have a high opinion of this film in particular. No, but we'll get into that. Uh, the main new cast member is Kenneth Branagh as Goderoy Lockhart who um is a, a bit of a dandy a bit of a fop that we'll go into as we go on the music again is by John Williams although he had help from a uh, another composer to get the music done on time since he was doing Attack of the Clones and War of the Worlds and Minority Report all around the same time uh cinematography Roger Pratt uh, this was released by Warner Brother Pictures in uh, 2002 of uh, November. Off a budget of roughly $100 million worldwide, this made $878 million thereabouts. So um, going from the domestic gross, which I mean is the gross in the United States, 2002, the year this came out, guess which uh, place out of the top ten Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets got?
1: I'm going to guess number
0: one. No, it's uh, number four. Huh. It's the second lowest grossing Harry Potter film in the series. When I say lowest grossing, it still almost made a billion fucking dollars. So, <laughs> you know, it's a wild success. But in 2002, in number one, we had Spider-Man. Number okay, two. You know that. I can understand. Yeah. Number two, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Mm -hmm. Number three, Star Wars Episode II, Attack the Clones. Number four, Harry Potter, Chamber of Secrets. Below it at number five was My Big Fat Greek Wedding.
1: (laughs) That's what threw me off with my estimation. I'd completely forgotten how many things came out around this time.
0: Sure. You know, it's kind of like the first, uh, I mean, Spider-Man, I think, was the first modern superhero movie to really hit big. Like Blade did well, X Men did well, but they weren't like insane uh, successes. But Spider Man made made a crap load. Oh yeah, which we haven't talked about on Sequel Cast surprisingly.
1: Oh, one day maybe.
0: One day, perhaps. Um,
1: it would be a three. It would be it would be a three film franchise. It would be really easy to get to get
0: through. I think so because you can make a distinction with the uh, the modern uh, Spider Man franchise with uh, what's his name Peter Garfield, right? Have you seen that new one? No, no, I haven't. Uh, It's surprisingly good, but we're not talking about Spider-Man. We're talking about Harry Potter, the Chamber of Secrets. Like all these Harry Potter films, I never caught one of these in the theater. I saw this on... uh on DVD, trying to get into the series because my wife, who was my fa- fiance at the time when I first saw it, uh, was really into the books and stuff. So I first saw this on DVD, probably like in uh, 2007 or so. I uh,
1: I saw this uh, actually in the theaters, probably on its second or third week of release. I went with uh, my friend, my friend Angie Angie Shearstone, who's a wonderful comic book artist. She's the creative force behind Blood Dreams. She uh, you know, she needed to get out of the house and just have a nice stress relieving evening, so we went to see the Harry Potter. Movie. I do want to
0: mention if you like. What you're listening to please donate at sequelcast.com slash donate and check out other episodes of the sequel cast podcast at uh, www.sequelcast.com or talk with us on facebook at facebook.com sequelcast
1: that was a smash cut
0: yes <laughs> you know i worked in a movie theater this summer this uh, came out yeah harry potter chamber of secrets in 2002 and this was huge that year I'm not sure why it um is one of the lower grossing Harry Potter movies. I think like you said, you know, Spider Man came out. That was uh, that was part of it.
1: Well I guess maybe it may be that as big as Harry Potter was, it, it still had not
0: reached its its absolute height. Sure, and this also came out one year after the first Harry Potter film. So when you're cranking out sequels one year after the other, sometimes it gets a bit of fatigue. And by this time, you know, the books had gotten more adult, but Chamber of Secrets is more of like a juvenile story. uh, And is very, very faithful to the book. Um, We'll talk about some feedback from some of our uh, listeners at our Facebook page later. But the first two Harry Potter books and the first two Harry Potter movies have very, very little that's different.
1: And I, and I guess I do, in all fairness, I do need to say I have not read any of the books. So I'm I'm looking at this purely as a movie.
0: Yeah, I, um, I've i read the entire uh, book of Harry Potter, The Sorcerer's Stone. The first one, I'm trying to read them as I get along to get caught up, which I think will be increasingly impossible. But I managed to read about 100 pages or so of uh, about a third of the Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets. And I got like a British version of the book for some reason. And it's a reprint, and the cover is a, a photograph of a cloud superimpo of a car superimposed on top of clouds.
1: Well, is that, isn't that the whole intro though to the movie? Yes, is that Harry misses the train to Hogwarts because of his bumbling uh, human relatives, and so uh, he has to hitch a lift with the Weasleys on a flying car?
0: He does. I mean, the thing I don't get is okay. Yes, Hogwarts is a school; they go to school when it's in session. But Harry Potter's life. Uh, with all with all the muggles, you know, with the with the with the, um not the Weasleys, what is it, the the Dursleys, right? Mm-hmm. Is so miserable. Why doesn't he stay in Hogwarts as like Hagrid's assistant, as like the piss boy? Well, yeah, you you'd <laughs> think
1: that you could get like a Hogwarts internship. Yeah, although you know maybe they just have to. Because I, I, I looking at it, it, it looks like there's like three months between sessions at the school. I can only imagine that it takes three months to repair all the damage done by a typical year at Hogwarts.
0: I mean, it's almost a formula in these early Harry Potter films, kind of like the formula in a James Bond film. Where in James Bond, you know, they all start out pretty much in an exciting adventure. And then James Bond goes back to uh, to talk to to get debriefed by M and Q about what gadgets he's using and what country to overthrow which uh, crazy madman or dictator or what have you. And in this, you got to have, like, the goofy, bumbling um, slapstick with with the Dursleys, and, oh, Harry Potter's going to do a magic trick and make him look stupid.
1: Which, which is – it is sort of a it, – it gives me such mixed feelings, though, because on the one hand – Harry is treated so badly by them that I do want to see him use his magical gifts to to get one over on his on his relatives, but at the same time it immediately creates such a disproportionate re- like power relate power exchange that I actually feel in in those moments when he does use magic on his relatives, I feel more sympathy for his relatives than I do with him why. Well, it's just that it's it's just uh, in those moments I immediately realize why the Dursleys treat him so poorly. There's very good reasons why they don't want him to use magic because he inflates them and, and does weird things to them.
0: I mean, yeah, it's like they basically have a kid that they consider a, a freak who they're they're embarrassed by. I mean, you you could make this is a bit of a stretch, uh, but you could make a comparison of like a family that has a, a healthy normal kid, then they have a kid that's special needs, that's a greater burden upon the family. And that's that that kid is bad. It's not the kid's fault of um, of their health or physical uh, requirements or whatever. Am I making any sense here? No, no, you are. And so, like, it's a, it's a burden that was thrust upon them. You know, this child was at their Harry Potter, was at the Dursley's doorsteps, and they don't like magic anyway, and they think it's all kind of mysterious. They never liked Harry Potter's parents to begin with. So, you know, they got to watch their, their uh, fucking kid.
1: But the, but the thing is, like, the, the, their reactions to magic are perfectly understandable because the only time they ever see magic is when it's being used against them in a hostile way.
0: That's the case. I mean, I, I do think in the beginning, one thing I, I like this time around is you get the introduction of Dobby the House Elf.
1: Yeah, Dobby is, is a very, very well done, completely artificial character.
0: And I have to say, you know when I saw the film, I'm like wow that that's a bit that's a bit dark, that's a bit of element of uh s and m you know which is supposedly a children's film, and then I read it in the book and like word for word, it's basically the same as in the book, and I'm like, wow, and maybe because you know it's a it's a British book originally um maybe they they have more darker stuff in their children's stories throughout history, you know uh I'm not sure what it is, but it certainly. Uh, off the beaten path, or off the beaten goblin, should I say. Well,
1: it also, it, it's another sort of strike against this magical world Harry Potter is a part of, because in this magical world there's slavery.
0: Yeah, and in the books, they, they um you know, I haven't read all the books yet, and I'm trying to get caught up in time for LeakyCon, which hopefully there'll be a uh, live sequel cast recording in front of an audience at LeakyCon, but that's a negotiation, uh, so we'll have to see. Um, that being said, my, according to my wife, Ivana, in the books, the, the goblins kind of go throughout all the later books. And it's sort of a parallel to um, like slavery and also like the gay rights movement with the story of the, the house. Are they goblins or elves? I think I got that wrong. Other elves. Okay, house elf, But they look like a goblin to me. They don't look pretty like I think of like a Tolkien uh, sort of elf.
1: Well, even yeah, they're kind of an old school Grimm's fairy tale elf. Although at the yeah. same time, because like the, the the Gringotts aren't those gnomes. You're right. And, and, and they look more like
0: uh, the pointed they, they look nose. More
1: like like goblins. Yes. Although actually, this is something that that I knew we were going to have to talk about, but um, but like racism and classism in the Harry Potter films.
0: That, that is certainly there. It's a thing that was in the first movie, and it's again in the second film, with the Weasleys, how they don't have very much money.
1: Well, no, it's not that. It's the Weasleys are a stereotypical Irish Catholic family.
0: Oh, with the red Consta- hair. Constantly yeah. breeding. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: you know, lot, lots of kids. Uh, they live on hand-me-downs. Uh, tousled red hair.
0: Good catch. And, you know, in this one, you get introduced to the, the father of the, the Weasleys. Oh, jeez. What's, what's the actor's name that plays the dad?
1: I, I don't recall. Uh, I'm going to look at my research. Uh,
0: Arthur Weasley is a, the character's name. And, you know, he's like basically a, a government employee of sorts for Hogwarts and that he's part of like this division that if a magic item is taken into, um, you know, where normal humans live and normal humans find out about it, he has to cite them for violations and, and retrieve the magic <laughs> object in question.
1: I want to see. I want to see a uh, a procedural that takes place in the Harry Potter world, all about that division of the Ministry of Magic.
0: That'd be a great a uh, collection of short stories, wouldn't it? Yeah. Arthur Weasley goes. Arthur Weasley requisition number seventy six. <laughs>
1: Which actually. Now, do they ever say exactly that that's what his job is at the Ministry of Magic? Because I remember, I, for some reason, I distinctly remember not knowing what his job was and asking lots of people.
0: They do, but in the books, you have to pay more attention. It's not, I mean, it's more of a focus, it's a bit of a focus in this film because Harry Potter, you know, the the house elf at the beginning comes to Harry Potter and says, hey, you can't go back. To- I won't tell you who sent me, but you can't go back to Hogwarts if Harry Potter goes to Hogwarts, Harry Potter will die. That's a really good impression of Dobby the house elf. Well done, Thresher. Well, thank you. And um, you know, with all that, because Harry Potter's like, uh, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go to Hogwarts uh, and see my friends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta learn magic. Or do, or do. First first I do, I do. Chim tree. Yeah. First, I gotta jump into a painting and dance with a few penguins with Mary Alpins.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. You, uh, <laughs> if we can ever get to a Harry Potter convention together, you have to promise me that we will do an event where we will do a live reading of a Harry Potter movie script, but every character will have a thick Cockney accent.
0: Airy Otter and the Orserer's Own.
1: <laughs> no, no, it has to be Cockney rhyming slang, so it has to be like oh, ha- Harry, Harry Potter and the, the Sausages something or other.
0: <laughs> Leave it to Yanks to do Cockney slang, that'll go Airy,
1: well. Harry P- Potter and the Sausages' home. <laughs> and we can have musical numbers. Oh, all oh, lot wizardry, a oh, lot casting and spells. But well, sometimes they go wrong, oh, bloody hell.
0: Oh, with my magic stick around and look at that, it grows. What comes up the end, oh, nobody knows. It's time to learn magic at Hogwarts. It's time <laughs> to learn magic right here. But first we'll go and have a pint. You know, it will be something nice. Time to do the Hogwarts again. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know?
1: I, I see some real, real possibilities here.
0: Bloody awful. Um. So, okay. I guess I'll say, I'll, I want to talk about some things I don't like about this film. I'm not sure why. It has a kind of pokey pacing, like I found uh, the first movie to have, The Sorcerer's Stone, or Philosopher's Stone, depending on where you're from. Um, it takes over half an hour to get to Hogwarts.
1: Yeah, we have to have lots of antics, and then we have to have the the, the thrilling flying car ride.
0: What do you think it's, of the business with the car ride?
1: I think part of the problem with the pacing is that it's a conflict it's it's a conflict between the nature of the crisis that's in the story but also in the structure of all the Harry Potter stories because as I understand it all the Harry Potter stories are supposed to take place over a term a full term at Hogwarts. Yes. And so at, but the crisis in this movie is such that it's something that probably should be solved over the course of a a few days, but it's got to be stretched out over like seven or eight months.
0: If you're a shrewd shopper, it's about to be your favorite time of the year.
1: HyperX will be running massive sales for the holiday season. Get up to 50% off some of our most popular products, like the ultra-comfy Cloud 2 headset, the tough, responsive Alloy Origins mechanical keyboard, and the fan-favorite QuadCast USB microphone. Sales will be going on at all major e-tailers, but be sure to head to HyperX.com and sign up for the newsletter to get the scoop on the biggest deals. Happy Holidays from HyperX.
0: Well, the story in Chamber of Secrets is more self-contained to uh, the first film. In the first film, you know, you see the change of seasons, and it's a bit more picaresque. You know, like, oh, Harry Potter tosses magic snowballs. Oh, he goes to class. Oh, he fights a troll. Oh, he does this. And while you do get a bit of that Scooby-Doo feeling in the later films, it, you feel like you're getting a little bit of the payoff in Chamber of Secrets. I especially like, and I don't think this will surprise you, Thrasher, uh, the character of Gilderoy Lockhart.
1: You know, I did, I actually, I, I, I rather like that, that character as well. Although the, the whole time I was just waiting for something to go wrong.
0: Yeah. He's played by Kenneth Branagh. He, in the book, it goes into more details how like every book on the, uh, on the syllabus for the second year at Hogwarts, they're all books written by Gilderoy Lockhart. And he's a celebrity, and he writes all these books, and he he's like a guest lecturer, I think, this of that semester, the, the year that Chamber of Secrets takes place. And watching the part, I'm thinking, you know, Tim Curry could have done this part pretty well. And it turns out the original actor they had in mind was Hugh Grant. Huh. Oh, you know, I heard that too. Which I think would have made a lot of sense. They just couldn't get the scheduling worked out.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have minded seeing Hugh Grant in this film.
0: But he's a character that pops up in the beginning and then disappears for most of the film and then pops up at the end.
1: Yeah, he 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 shows up to be established and then later to have his whole story pay off.
0: And it, it is a nice payoff for his character. I sort of like it, but I it's just, um, it's real fun seeing him, you know... Flashing charming smiles and kind of like grabbing Harry Potter from the crowd and hugging him to get a photo op.
1: Well, it's it's at that point that you immediately know something's wrong. He's too perfect.
0: It's almost like it's a meta commentary on how the press reacted to author J.K. Rowling after the publishing of the first book.
1: Was the first book all that big? Yes. Really? But
0: I mean, the story behind the first book is J.K. Rowling was a single mom with her kids and she got like an educational, uh, got like a grant of some sort from some uh, arts grant in the United Kingdom. And because of all that, you know, that allowed that grant allowed her to take the time she needed to, uh, to finish the book, and it became a big success, although it was out in uh, England, I think, for a year before it came out in the United States. So, I mean, yeah, talk about your first book launches a seven-book eight film franchise that's insane well that success come upon you
1: yeah it is it is is a nice amount of success i guess because like i i was never really part of the harry potter phenomenon so there's just there's so many aspects of it that are
0: lost on me i wasn't at the time you know i was in high school when those books started coming out as you probably were Thrasher. i think we're, we're pretty close in the same age and um when I, I saw the stuff come out, I tried to read the first book when I was in high school, and I was too cool for school. And I was like, "But I can tell." Had this stuff come out when I was younger, elementary, middle school, I would have eaten it up. Mm. I totally would have been into it because I like Lord of the Rings. I liked all uh, uh, the the Prydain Chronicles by Lloyd Alexander. I read all that sort of stuff. So I think coming into it now that I'm older, I, I like Harry Potter. I mean, we're covering it for eight episodes, sequel cast, and, <laughs> we're, and making it, yeah, on us all. right. And you know, I'm going to be reporting on it at LeakyCon with sequel cast special episodes throughout. But with all that being said, had I experienced it when I was a little kid, had it been around, it would have been in my heart the way like Star Wars is for me now. I think Harry Potter is Star Wars to a bunch of kids. It, it probably is. and, and, and uh, it, it certainly
1: and, has earned that position.
0: I think so too. and uh, With um, Chamber of Secrets, I, I've blabbed about this for quite some Time Thrasher, what's something you'd like to mention about the film? It might have been a while since you've seen it, but
1: well, um, that uh, one thing that really stands out. I I really do like I, I do like mysteries. I love mystery stories. I love I love movies about mysteries, and and that that is what what the Chamber of Secrets is. It's 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 Harry Potter and the Gang trying to solve a mystery and and beat the bad guys to a MacGuffin. Uh, but it was so, it it was a weird mystery to, to watch unravel because again, not being familiar with JK Rowling, I have no idea how, how like mythology or fantasy literate she is. So like once people start being turned to stone, I'm immediately like, okay, what mythological creatures exist that turn people to stone? And as I'm watching the movie, I'm just going through this Rolodex of assorted mythological knowledge in my head you know trying trying to stay one step ahead of the movie but also wondering well does she know about this obscure dutch monster that turns people to stone uh, you know cuz i mm, guess that that's a th- yeah. that's one thing that i i really appreciate in my favorite fantasy works in my favorite fantasy works they establish very early on exactly how magic and the supernatural works Uh, And I think in lots of ways, this is really, really necessary. It can really kill the tension in any fantasy story when you can say, well, why don't they just use that magic they're always using to solve the problem?
0: I think also, like you said, the creatures have a basis in cultural and mythological history. It's not like in the world of Harry Potter, there is a raccoon that poops out ice cream cones. (laughs) You know, It's like silliness for silliness sake. And I mean, there is a lot of humor in Harry Potter, but you—it it all seems to be building towards something. You know, I when I saw the phoenix, I knew immediately that it was going to be used for resurrection.
1: Oh yeah. Well, that's that's another thing. There's lots of things in this movie that are really, I, I guess, obvious. Like for for instance, when when Harry Potter finds the the Journal of Tom Riddle, and the moment yes. I saw that name Tom Riddle, that has to be an anagram for something. And it is oh yeah, and like that like just but like the moment it showed up anagram and the and the only thing that stopped me from solving it is that I didn't have a pencil and paper with me in the library to write it down and to to play with the letters.
0: And you can just plug it into your nearest anagram generator.
1: <laughs> but yeah, but just like the the movie's kind of full of of little things like that. And it also it, it but that's but that's actually is one of the things that that bothers me with all of the Harry Potter movies that I've seen. I, I they never really established how magic works and what its limitations are. And so as a result, I'm like, well, if there's a mystery that needs solved, why can't you just peer into a crystal ball and solve the damn mystery? There's I just, think, there's just all these –
0: part of it is – it's like it's a fantasy, but and also in some sense it's a children's book, and you want to have it where, oh, these kids know how to solve these issues. The adults can't because they're clever, Right.
1: But again but like but it's it's like you know we that because no limits have been set on what magic can do, it's like, well, why doesn't Hermione just go into the library and research a divination spell and 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 just magic the answer
0: I mean, why in Star Wars doesn't Yoda just sit in a couch and make everything float for him?
1: Well because Yoda is enlightened enough to not do <laughs> stupid parlor tricks, yeah. Yoda is an enlightened character. He he only uses the Force when it is absolutely necessary, because to, to do anything else would be disrespectful and unenlightened.
0: Uh, watching Chamber of Secrets, it really stuck out to me. I'm not sure what these first two Harry Potter films have with their obsessions with seeing the set in the bathroom. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> okay, because like in the first film, uh, Hermione is in the bathroom and she gets attacked by a troll <laughs> yeah. who they have to slay. In this one, there's a girl who uh, who is a nerd who, the actress, frankly, looks like a female version of Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, who, who's a toilet ghost, who, who died sitting on the toilet by the by, by the basilisk.
1: Oh, the moaning myrtle?
0: Mo- moaning myrtle, there you go. And, oh, yeah. And bath- even there, the secret passageway to the climax of the film is in the, the, the toilet, in, in the bathroom stall, or below a sink or whatever. It's... I guess kids like going to the bathroom. Public bathrooms are certainly where a lot of mysterious things happen in, in school, I suppose. Um, well, it's.
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's It's Peridian? odd. But, um, I see, now I'm, tr- now I'm trying to look up the. Ah, uh, the, uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, it was, uh, Olive Hornby played, uh, played Moaning Myrtle. And it's actually funny. I was actually already familiar with her, uh, when I, uh, b- uh when I saw this movie because they're, uh, there had been a, uh, a PBS special. I forget the title, but it was, it was narrated by John Lithgow, and the premise is that it's the story of everything in physics that led to E equals MC squares.
0: What did you say the actress's name was?
1: Uh, uh, Olive Hornby.
0: That's not correct. Oh, wait, am I looking at it's, the wrong person? It is. It's Shirley Henderson.
1: Shirley Henderson. Never mind. Okay, Shirley Henderson is the one that I was familiar with. And she was in uh, Spotting. I was looking at the wrong picture. Uh yeah, and and she was in that special as uh, I, uh, as uh, Einstein's uh, first wife, I believe.
0: Well, she's actually older than I thought. She's uh, 47 years old.
1: Oh yeah, I mean she and she's, al- she's also in the new Doctor Who, uh but she Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, and she, but yeah, she she's always playing people. She 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 plays a whole range of ages cuz I think she was just like a she just had a CGI enhanced ghost body, right?
0: Yes. You know, you can smooth out the wrinkles and you put the in pigtails and glasses and the school dress. I can shave a few years off anybody. Well let's take a little break talking about Harry Potter and Chamber of Secrets to talk about our website at sequelcast.com. You go to sequelcast.com, you can download our different podcasts. Not only do we have the sequel cast, we have shows such as Sequel Commentary, Sequel Cast Special, uh Video Game sequel Cast. And possibly a, a, a TV podcast coming up. Is that right?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, the uh, it'll, it'll be the working title is TV Dungeon.
0: Why uh, why TV Dungeon? Why not TV Torture?
1: Well, the the idea is the, the inspiration for the show is that I, I I watched I watched several things from my past, various different types of entertainment, and it made me angry. Uh, they're just I, I I suddenly realized just how many terrible reprehensible things are on television which should be one of the greatest mediums uh, available to us and so the idea I had was that for, for the show some of the episodes would be about terrible things that I would like to see consigned to be punished in the TV dungeon and because I don't want to be negative all the time the other episodes would be about good things about television that you just don't see anymore that I want to see taken out of the TV dungeon I see because presumably that's where they are, and that's why you don't see them.
0: That's an interesting and, concept. You know, we don't have anything really about TV shows going on.
1: And we probably, and like I'm still working on the format, but it's, it, we're probably not going to talk about like specific shows. The like we we would pick a topic, and we would just talk about that topic.
0: I see. Okay. <laughs> the
1: topic might be infomercials, or uh, or witnesses on cop shows, or uh, or TV shows based on products.
0: Very good things like that so if you go to sequelcast.com you can check out our podcast uh if you want to donate you can go to sequelcast.com slash donate donate via paypal that's greatly appreciated because doing a podcast you know it, it costs money whether it's renting a movie that um i'm watching for the show or the, just even the hosting fees you know that that adds up over time and, and hey
1: our beaks aren't going to wet themselves they're not
0: going to wet themselves also if you want to you know watch uh, rent a movie as an amazon streaming rental on your computer we have links to that because we're Amazon affiliates, and they're reasonably priced, like between 1.99 and 2.99, so it's a, it's a it's a pretty good bargain. If you want to check out our Cafe Press merchandise that includes things like a whiskey flask or a button or a mouse pad, go to CafePress.com/SequelCast, and you can hear SequelCast on Stitcher Smart Radio, Stitcher is an app, where you can listen to podcasts streaming on the go. Download the app at stitchercom sequelcast and all the sequelcast podcasts get added as one of your favorites. Oh, and you can reach us <laughs> on, uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Sequelcast and you can reach at Thrasher
1: at Internet mayor.
0: Very good. So back to our discussion of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, I think, I find the spider scene near the end of the film very frightening.
1: Yeah, they they were the best CGI spiders we were going to see until Shelob showed up in uh, the final Lord of the Rings film.
0: Yeah, the next year. That's true. And you get all this backstory in the film about Tom Riddle, where he's revealed to be Voldemort's real name when he uh, was a kid, a student at Hogwarts many years ago. And he had a relationship with, um, you know, kind of blackmailed Hagrid. Which casts Hagrid to be expelled from the school.
1: Video Death Loop is a show where we watch a short clip on loop until one or both of us can't take it anymore. Each week, one of us picks out a video the other does not know about to their dismay. Video game cutscenes, TV show openings, music videos, and occasional horse videos are just some of the clips we've ran and we're five seasons in. Check us out every Friday. Come on in, take a seat. What are you having? Well, of course I've heard of Hair of the Dogcast. That's the podcast that talks about video games and beer. For all of the latest gaming headlines, craft beer reviews, retro games, modern games, series retrospectives, console studies, and on occasion, extremely hungover discussions on the lore of Kingdom Hearts, make sure to check out Hair of the Dogcast, part of the HyperX Podcast Network.
0: You're a shrewd shopper. It's about to be your favorite time of the year. HyperX will be running massive sales for the holiday season. Get up to 50% off some of our most popular products, like the ultra-comfy Cloud 2 headset, the tough-responsive LOE Origins mechanical keyboard, and the fan-favorite Quadcast USB microphone. Sales will be going on at all major e-tailers, but be sure to head to HyperX.com and sign up to the newsletter to get the scoop on the biggest deals. Happy Holidays from HyperX. What do you think of all that backstory?
1: There was a lot of it, and just yes. the way it was revealed, I I didn't much I, I didn't much care for it because because in the end, I really I really want Harry Potter and his gang to solve all these mysteries, and I feel like they kind of solve the mysteries, but then in the end, Voldemort's young Tom Riddle ghost just delivers all this exposition.
0: It's a big exposition dump. If you think it's bad in this film, just wait till we get to Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince where it feels like half the film is a flashback of more Tom Riddle delights.
1: And then, and of course, the the defense against the dark arts teacher, it's the same thing when he has his big info dump to explain why he's really rich and famous.
0: Yeah, it's not the most elegant thing, is it? How they reveal that he's used a spell to make, you know, he's like a cad. All his stories or stuff other wizards have done, but then he casts sort of like these finely tuned forgetful spells to make the wizards not remember that they did these things
1: which which is again it's 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 weird it's like it it's one of those things where i really wish they would set for, they would firmly establish what magic can and cannot do because i i i don't know it's like should, shouldn't a a mind manipulating spell be something that they teach you to defend against at hogwarts
0: maybe it's just such a strong spell you know maybe it's like level 10 but harry potter only knows how to cast a level 2 shield
1: well, actually, if, if, we're, if they're using the classic D&D spell structure, uh, it, it's going to go up to nine. There are, are no 10th level spells.
0: Harry Potter, when he does a spell, he does it up to 11. So. Ah, I see. So Lockhart, I see. Sorry. Um, I don't know He's why I'm apologizing. I have to apologize for everything. Okay. Uh, Harry Potter, Chamber of Secrets. Any last thing you want to talk about the film? I don't think the climax in this is as interesting or exciting as what you saw at the end of *Sorcerer's Stone*, but I mean well, it's similar in that Voldemort is in a different like form; he's in a reincarnated version of his sixteen-year-old self.
1: Well, I mean, I I will I, I will admit when, when the when the basilisk gets released and they have that final showdown, I did find that to be pretty thrilling, hmm. but I didn't I didn't exactly enjoy the journey that that I went on to get there.
0: The special effects in this one are notably better than the first one. Um,
1: no, again, Dobby is one of the most brilliantly oh yeah, realized sure. uh, artificial characters. I mean, he he looks real, just and like every little every little motion, every little floppy thing on his ears, just really makes him more real.
0: And look in the detail and the subtlety in his movements and the shadows on him. And in A Chamber of Secrets, which came out in two thousand two, compared to just three years prior in ninety nine with Phantom Menace and Jar Jar Binks. Right. Well, the oh,
1: and actually, speaking of, I guess you know what—that's the thing. I enjoyed Dobby and his arc in this movie better than anything else in this film, and and I do love that bit at the end with uh, with where Harry Potter you know tricks Malfoy into giving Dobby clothes, which then makes Dobby free. Yeah. Which is which again is is weird it's like kind of a rule of this universe that didn't hadn't exactly been made clear to me <laughs> but i appreciate the way it happened
0: did you think it was bullshit that harry potter got you know rescued from the brink of death by the phoenix
1: no i felt that was i felt that was laid in but, but like it makes sense that it happens but at the same time I, this is now two films in and i still have not seen harry potter be a hero
0: yeah i mean in the first film in the climax he just kind of blacks out and magically creates the shield that you know, makes Voldemort, Voldemort's form as the stuttering professor kind of, like, crumble and vanish. And in this one, it's more of a direct fight with the, the lizard. But, yeah, he hasn't had any kick-ass spells to his roster yet. Um, ready to rate the films?
1: I believe I am.
0: Okay, we rate films out of five stars here in the sequel cast. Um, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I don't think it's as good as the first movie. I think the special effects are... Or notably better, it's certainly setting up the darker tone that really comes in more into play with uh, the films going forward. I give Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets three out of five stars. I don't think this is a film that needs to be over two and a half hours long, which it is at 161 minutes.
1: I'm, I'm going to have to echo that. I'm giving it. I'm giving it three stars for for everything that I like about this film, such as such as the you know, the mystery and everything with Dobby and whatnot. There's just lots of there's just lots of dead weight that I think and antics and things like that that I really feel slow it down and prevent it from being a really great film.
0: I do wanna say we did have a note from uh listener Ryan Haas, who was a guest on our video game sequel cast Mario Brothers episode. Yes. He was uh pointing out that this uh the second film, Chamber of Secrets, is the last film in which Richard Harris plays Dumbledore.
1: Oh yes.
0: Which is uh, really too bad. I mean, he was very old at the time he even took on the part in the first movie. But he has a, he has a great warmth to Dumbledore that I don't think we get from uh, Michael Gambon in the other films. Mm. What do you think of the other Dumbledore?
1: I I don't really have any strong impression of, of the later
0: Dumbledore. In the trailers that, for the other films, it shows Dumbledore shouting a lot, Harry Potter! <laughs> you, you violated your curfew! Now the dragons are going to take over Hogwarts! Harry well, Potter.
1: There's lots of that's the one thing I actually have noticed in all these films. There's lots of people saying the protagonist's name, yeah. Mr. Potter.
0: that'd be a fine drinking game, don't you think? Taking a shot of something every time they say the name Harry Potter. <laughs> would,
1: would we survive? <laughs> but because that's the thing, no, very, like very few people just call him Harry. It's like a full name situation throughout most of the film.
0: I kind of wish someone would call him Harold Potter.
1: Uh, uh, it might be sh- Harry. Might be short for Harrison.
0: If if Harrison Ford was Harry Potter, <laughs> give me back my wand.
1: He, he would cast the... No, no. In the fight, he cast the spell first.
0: He'd just look really grumpy at Voldemort, and Voldemort would crumble, <laughs> and he'd walk on. Instead of a magic wand? He has a magic whip. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this shit. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to do our segment pitch, a sequel, in which we pretend there's not a sequel to this film or book ever made. And um so what I think I would do is it's Harry Potter's third year at, at Hogwarts and he he meets up at the beginning with um uh, with Dobby and it'll be kind of like a freaky Friday scenario. Oh. Harry Potter and Dobby switch bodies, that's right. Harry Potter he feels a big weight, a big burden, he's begun be beca- becoming sort of, you know, a younger teenager, being like Oh, being a wizard sucks. I I, I want to be a house elf, like Dobby. And Dobby's like, Ooh, I, I want to be Miss Master Harry Potter.
1: So so, so he, he wants to be a slave because being a wizard is tricky.
0: Yes. Being a wizard is too burdensome. He wants other people to tell him what to do all the time. He wants to be free from the shackles of uh, free will. I see. <laughs> Ironically. And so uh, a lot of it would be more comedic, I think, like the first film, where you get the, you still get the Radcliffe playing Harry Potter, but doing wild slapstick with body with uh, Dobby inside of him. Meanwhile, Harry Potter as Dobby, ironically finds that he likes the life of a slave and he isn't really willing to uh, to relinquish it. So you have to have a crazy climax where the two of them have to meet and Hermione, and. Um, Ron Weasley have to team up to get the switcheroo to restore things to the rightful order. And I would call it house elf Potter. That's what I would call it. Interesting. What's your pitch of sequel?
1: Well, my pitch of sequel is going to be a uh, uh, Harry Potter, uh Harry Potter. Uh, H- Here we Voldemort again. Uh, We're in this one. We've established that Voldemort can, uh, can come back to life as a teenage ghost. Uh, with journals, so we find out hmm. that Voldemort has actually had uh, kept a different journal for every year he spent at Hogwarts, and they're all over the campus, and they all go active at the same time. So all these Voldemort ghosts with different anagram names show up.
0: Oh, so there's, okay. there's
1: So there's Rom Tittle, Burglebang, Kranglebuck, yeah. Winstable, Mizzlemac. Uh, they all crazy, whimsical names, uh, and they all start uh, taking over the school. And start writing their own journals to make copies of themselves. Meanwhile, trapping the real students in books. And uh, Harry, uh, Weasley, and the gang all have to go and find, they have to find the Voldemort's magic pen that he used to write these magic journals. Because that's the only way they can break the enchantment, destroy all the clone Voldemorts, and release all the other students.
0: So it would be like Harry Potter versus Zillion Voldemorts.
1: Yeah, versus Voldemort's uh, of all different ages, and, and what the hell? At the end, they'll have a, a big fight like Neo and the Army of Mister Smiths, but it'll be all—it'll uh, all be a magical fight, not kung fu.
0: Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. Oh my. So uh, now we're going to move on to sequel news, and we're talk about a current bit of news relating to movie sequels. You can check out um, sequel news updated on a semi-regular basis. Over at Facebook.com/slash/sequelcast. Do you have one you want to start up, start off with, Thrasher? Actually,
1: yeah. Uh, is that uh, that Jurassic Park four is in development, but it has been delayed. It was supposed the the projected release date was going to be June thirteenth, uh, two thousand fourteen, but it looks like it is not going to make that by a long shot.
0: Very true.
1: And on, on the on the one hand, you know, I definitely think they should take their time and make it the best movie possible. But let's be fair, this is a sequel to a sequel to a sequel to a good movie. It's, I have very low expectations for it, and I, I, don't, I don't think that the extra time is necessarily going to help.
0: I feel part of the delay is probably due to trying to trim money off the budget.
1: Dinosaurs aren't cheap.
0: Dinosaurs uh, ain't cheap, and there presumably would be a lot of them in a Jurassic Park film, and... Reportedly, that's the uh, screenplay. I haven't read it, but um, for Jurassic Park 4 is very epic in scope. It's not some intimate story. So I I agree. I think I was very skeptical of them bum-rushing towards a 2014 release date to begin with. So more time is uh, never bad. I'm not sure is the same director still attached and everything. They just want to take their time developing it. I suppose so. You know, speaking of another thing, you know, I uh, stumbled across a news story from Collider about a press release on the new Planet of the Apes film Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Cool. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to read a, a clip from the press release. The humans and the apes reach a fragile peace, but it proves short-lived as both sides are brought to the brink of a war that will determine who or more, who will emerge as Earth's dominant species. That sounds like Battle of the Planet of the Apes to me.
1: It, it actually, it really does.
0: And that, uh, you know, the most recent Planet of the Apes film, um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, was similar in a lot of ways to Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, number four. Did you see that one?
1: Actually, I finally did. What did you think? I, I actually, I really enjoyed it. I It makes me wish I had seen it in the theaters. There were
0: shockingly good special effects.
1: Well, I, I enjoyed the story as well.
0: Oh, yeah. John Lithgow is good in a small part. You have a Harry Potter actor, <laughs> you know, the guy that plays, uh, was it Draco? Lucius? Yeah, Draco oh. Malfoy. Oh, uh, yes. Lucius is the character of the father, I think. But no, I, I think this Planet of the Apes sequel should be interesting. You know, the first movie is a lot of setup. Now, this one is in the rebooted universe will have more ape versus human action. I assume maybe like more like military versus ape stuff instead of cops versus apes at the end of the first film.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be inevitable just to raise the stakes and because of the skeptical it will
0: provide. And Andy Sergis is back doing motion capture and monkey sounds for the titular Caesar. Uh, I really hope they keep with what they did in Rise of the Planet of the Apes with having subtitles for the apes a lot of the times.
1: It's, it's true. It did work really well and it made, it made the, the moment when he did speak so much more powerful. I hope they can retain some
0: of that. Yes. Um, James Franco is not in this uh, sequel, nor does he have to be necessarily yet. It seems to be taking place a few years later when the apes kind of get their walking, talking, teenage mutant ape uh, society on the ground.
1: (laughs) I guess they would all be teenagers, wouldn't they?
0: I guess. Um, Any more sequel news you want to discuss?
1: Uh, No, I don't think so. I think I'm uh, ready to move on.
0: Did you see the trailer for Ender's Game?
1: No, I have not. I'm, I'm really conflicted over it. Because on the, on the one hand, it is a classic work of science fiction. I, w- I want to see a good movie made from it. On the other hand, I don't necessarily trust that a good movie will be made from it. And then on the gripping hand, I really don't want to give Orson Scott Card any money.
0: Um, we can talk about that for a moment. Uh, so what's the Orson Scott Card controversy?
1: Well, he is... Uh, a A white ring crank and a staunch opponent of uh marriage equality, and I really do not want to support anybody who's who's railing against marriage equality
0: i you know I agree with your views on marriage equality, but at the end of the day, I think you should be able to separate the um the artistic body of work from an individual from their personal oh, no. life. Which can no, be, I,
1: I, I agree, and, and generally, be hard. generally I do. This is just one of the, the cases when I don't.
0: Um, one more bit of sequel news I think you might find interesting. So originally, you know, a lot of different movie studios have the rights to different Marvel Comics properties. Mm-hmm. But uh, recently, uh, Slash Film reported that Marvel Studios has regained the rights to Punisher, Daredevil, Ghost Rider, and Blade mm. to do live-action films off of those. Now, they haven't mentioned they're going to do anything. But it could mean one of these characters could cameo in their phase two series of films or what have you. What do you think about that?
1: I, frankly, I would like to see that. And, and I, also, I also just want to see smaller, interesting crossover films. Like I, I would lo- like I would love to see Blade and Ghost Rider team up to go after a supernatural threat.
0: I would love I, to see that would Blade. Be a really awesome movie. If you did that as like a period film in the seventies or something, I think that would be one way to do it. But it
1: doesn't—it <laughs> doesn't necessarily have to be. And frankly, I would love, like, I would—I would love Blade and Ghost Rider almost as buddy cops.
0: Yeah, that could be something. I would like to see. Um, Garth Ennis wrote a Punisher book, a comic book called um, Born, that was like the Punisher's origins. Where it kind of did a take on, oh, Frank Castle—that's the Punisher's name, right? I so. I, I, I think that's right. Was in Vietnam and basically ends up making a deal with the the devil, so to speak. That um, you know, I guess, sort of curses him, but wipes out all his uh, his squad mates in a fiery uh, wrath. And it's a really moving, interesting story. I think it would be an interesting. Take Although, I did like the most recent film, Punisher, Warzone. So, we'll have to see what they do with all this. Um, You know, currently, the the big comic properties that are not at Marvel Studios, which, you know, is part of Disney, is uh, X-Men is at Fox, Fantastic Four is at Fox, Spider-Man is at Sony. Are those the big ones? I think so. Yeah. Um, I'm probably missing something somewhere in there, but... Those are the main ones. Okay, so now on to what you're watching, Thrasher. What you're watching?
1: Oh man. Okay, so this past weekend I found an awesome Mario Bava film on an online streaming service. Uh, It's called uh, Black Sunday, also also known as The Mask of Satan.
0: Now, is this uh, when is this from? Sixties, seventies?
1: I believe it was the sixties, but I'm gonna actually I'm gonna look this up right now to make sure I'm getting it right.
0: Can you explain who Mario Bava is to our listeners?
1: Uh, Mario Bava was a was this brilliant uh, Italian uh, horror filmmaker. He made he just had a wonderful body of work. Uh, he he directed all kinds of horror films. He was also one of the pioneers, if not the inventor of the giallo genre, which is what when it was brought over to America would become uh, the slasher film. Oh, here we go. Uh, Black Sunday uh, was uh, made in 1960.
0: Wow. Okay. So one of his older pictures.
1: Yeah, and it's really cool. It's it's you know it's it's a uh, it's a period piece. It takes place uh, late in the Napoleonic Wars, or possibly just after the Napoleonic Wars, there's a couple of statements. They never flat out really give you a, any dates, but some characters make some comments about Napoleon that lets you kind of figure out when it takes place. But, it, like, it opens with this awesome, like, execution being done by the Spanish Inquisition of a supposed witch and her lover, and it's just a gruesome way that they're executed, which, you know, uh, before they're – which, like, culminates with this uh, – Mask with nails built into it—the mask of Satan being hammered onto her face. Ooh! And then, you know, cut to 200 years later, a uh, a doctor and his apprentice uh, are, you know, traveling traveling to this village and uh, where this execution took place, and they find a catacomb where the witch was buried. Or uh, where the witch was entombed, and there 's just all this really neat folklore uh because like the 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 witch 's sarcophagus uh actually has an opening over her face, and then there 's this Eastern Orthodox cross right before that opening, the idea being that her corpse has to forever look at a cross hmm. and there 's all these like you know little things like there, and even though she 's supposed to be a witch, she functions more like a vampire but you know as the, as the movie progresses she is of course uh the mask is removed she comes back to life so does her lover comes back to life as this ghoulish murderer and uh and the uh medical student you know has to then this medical student you know has to figure out how to deal with this whole supernatural situation
0: and it holds up okay
1: yes it does the uh it, the, the version i saw was was dubbed into it was a, an english dub uh from the 60s Um, half, half the voice acting is really good. The other half is is fairly subpar, but it doesn't really hold the film back because you can very easily get lost in the visuals.
0: I got to uh, watch a film recently that popped up on Netflix Watch instantly based on a book that I've never read, but I thought it was pretty cool. It's called John Dies at the End. Oh. This is based on a book by David Wan, who David Wan was an editor at Cracked at one point. He might still be. it's directed by Don Coscarelli. You oh, Phantasm. You should know that name. Yeah, Phantasm and Beastmaster fame. And this movie, uh, the only name actors in it is Paul Giamatti plays the supporting part. Uh, so does Clancy Brown and Angus Scrimm. Mm. And Doug Jones. But there are the two leads, or uh, Chase Williamson, Rob Mays, and they're not really well known. They're sort of younger actors. But it's a very surreal story that I think of it as sort of like a, a scary, like, gory Ghostbusters almost. Mm. But it's like there's a drug that's called soy sauce because it looks like soy sauce. It's like black and thick. And when you inject yourself with it, you gain the ability to know a little bit what's happening in the future. But you also it sort of like enhances your natural skills. But it also makes you really hallucinate. And so, like, there's monsters all around, but you can see them when you inject this drug. And it makes everyone think you're crazy and paranoid. It's really hard to describe, but I found it really entertaining. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, Before the novel was a novel, it was a website with a bunch of these, like, random, like, first-person journal entries. I kind of formed the the plot of the story. Mm. So I I would recommend it. I think you'd get uh, a kick out of it. But it's really weird, and just expect it to be surreal. Don't expect a whole lot of logic in there. <laughs> okay. And, uh, sadly, the film didn't do that well in theaters, but it has Well, as I it barely got a release. It barely got a release uh, worldwide, sadly. And, you know, this is the first film that Don Cascarelli has done in a decade. He hasn't done a feature film since Bubba Hotep in 2002. One of my favorites. Aside from uh, an episode of Masters of Horror, he hasn't done anything in between that, and John dies at the end. So he's uh, per- currently, I guess, planning a sequel to Boba Hotep called Bubba Nosferatu.
1: Yes, I have so wanted that to get made.
0: So I hope that gets made. I don't Bruce Campbell, I guess, is not going to be in it. We'll have to see what will happen with all of that. Anything else you've been watching you want to talk about?
1: Uh, nothing, nothing of any significance. I've, I've been mainly writing and driving myself crazy, getting everything ready for origins. I've had very little time to actually watch anything.
0: Yeah. I've been, I need to wrap up my first draft of the, um, the writing for this, um, iPhone game I'm working on. And I guess I'll tease it because you're working on some artwork for the title screen, I think. Indeed. Um, so the original, it's like a choose-your-adventure kind of game. The original title I had in mind for it was uh, Victoria Frankenstein and the Quest for the Monster Parts, which is both wordy and not a very good title. Um, but I'm thinking the title now might just be Frankenstein's Daughter.
1: Actually, I believe there there was a Universal Frankenstein movie with that title. Uh, there, well, n- there was no Jesse no
0: James There was Dracula's Frank. Oh, there's that. There was also a movie called Dracula's Daughter. Or it could also be daughter of Frankenstein. I'm not quite sure. So I've been spending when I get that rep, when I get that finished, I will have spent three months writing a rough draft. That although it's not that many pages, there's like several multiple choices to make in each page. So it's a lot of detail, if not especially long. So after that, the next step will be is uh, programming on my um, Mac Mini computer with uh, GarageBand.
1: You can do. Uh, you can use GarageBand to program games.
0: I'm sorry, I don't mean GarageBand. It's called Game uh, Salad.
1: I was about to boot up GarageBand and start trying to figure out how to make a game. Ha- game Salad,
0: ah. which Game Salad is free, but um, to submit something to the Apple Store, I think you got to pay a hundred dollars for a one-year membership in their developer program. Anyway. Hopefully you haven't stopped listening to the show. Uh, <laughs> hope you've listened to this discussion here in the Sequel Cast of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Tune in next week where we discuss Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, if you want to donate to the Sequel Cast, you can do so at SequelCast.com slash donate if you like what you listen. For the Sequel Cast, this is Matt. I'm at SequelCast on Twitter.
1: This is Thrasher at Internet Mayor.
0: Sane.
1: Oh, I guess I shouldn't have said that, Harry. (laughs) Oh.
0: Ron, why do we take the flying car? The muggles are all gonna see us. No. Bugger and piss.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna take the flying car to Hogwarts. We will, we will.
0: If it's a flying car, how come it has no wings?
1: It's magic, it is, it is.
0: It runs off unicorn blood. That's why it smells so nice. It does, it does. You can tell it's a bad British accent when it reveres into a shitty Australian accent halfway through. Crikey Bonza! I'll have an Australian meat pie but first to go to Waltz with me at Matilda.
1: <laughs> oh no, it didn't go coming for your baby.
0: I'm not good at what I do, but what I do isn't very nice. SQLcast.com SQLcast <laughs>